Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. I'm actually going to share the talk today with Jason over here. That's Jason. Jason will come and join me in a moment. But uh, I'm going to kick off, then Jason will come and um, do a little bit in the middle. It's like a sandwich today, all right? So, um, cut last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of examples in the life of the United Kingdom of leadership, both ends of the spectrum. Firstly, I'm going to start with the Queen. You know, I don't know what your views of the monarchy are. Personally, I love that we have a monarch, and I love that we have her. Um, she's an extraordinary person, 70 years of wholehearted service fueled by her Christian faith. And she, she, because of the constitution of the United Kingdom, she actually has limited power. She can't sign laws or do anything like that. But she has an authority that flows, I believe, in part from her character. She has a wisdom and an integrity about her life. Other end of the spectrum. I am not making a party political point <laughs> at this moment. But our Prime Minister, he has power. It comes from his position. He and his government make laws, policies, set taxes, all of that kind of thing. But we all know that his authority to lead has had a dip over recent times. Partygate. And for me, at the heart of Partygate is character. It's about character. So we're going to think about authority today. This is part of our series, Walking with Jesus. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? And we're going to think about authority as part of that. This whole series, just to give us the backdrop, walking is good for us physically, and it's good spiritually. The Bible talks of people walking with God, people like Noah and Enoch. Through the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, we're told to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. We started this series a couple of weeks ago with an account in the Gospels of Jesus walking along a beach. He comes with Peter and Andrew and he says, follow me. And they get up and they walk. Comes to James and John, follow me. They get up and they walk. Comes to Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. He leaves his booth and he walks. They physically walked with Jesus. If you read the Gospel accounts, we don't get all of this in the text, but Jesus was in one town, then he's in another town. How did they get between them? They walked. Three or four days' walk, and that's where so much of the discipleship happened, as these 12 and this larger group physically walked with Jesus. Now, I know many of us here today have said yes to walking with Jesus. Others of you may not have said yes. You might be online and not yet said yes to Jesus. One of the things I hope you hear today is an invitation to walk, to walk with Jesus. So if you have a Bible, could you turn to Matthew chapter 8? We're going to think about today what it means to walk with Jesus in authority. So Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to read these couple of stories, then I'm going to hand over to Jason, and then I'll pick up after him. So we're going to start in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I... I tell this one, go, 
and he goes. And that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. What happens next is that Jesus heals a whole load of people. And then we're just going to skip down to a story in verse 23 of this same chapter. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jason. All right, well, this is my first time at the uh, 9.30 service, so I'm, I'm a little nervous. Uh, please forgive. And I brought props because I'm an old-school teacher, uh, so I had to do some things. But I wanted to start off this morning by talking about the actual definition of authority, because I think if we're going to talk about what it means to walk in Jesus' authority, it's very, very important that we have an understanding of what that is. So you'll forgive me if for a moment, but we're going to go back to school for just a second. Um, the dictionary actually defines uh, authority as the power to determine, adjudicate, or otherwise settle issues or disputes. Jurisdiction, the right to control, command, or determine. And the most important aspect of the definition in our context, I think, are really the power, the jurisdiction, and the right of the authority of Jesus as seen in our passage today. Now, before we go further, I, I thought it was important then that we talk a little bit about authority in our local context, because we can read a dictionary definition, maybe we get it, maybe we're from somewhere else and we're going, he talks really fast and he's American, so I thought we'd make this a little simpler. So um, I'd like to start off with, we have some authority represented here. When I put on this hat, I have the authority of, of the local works workers. You know, you see these, you stop on the side of the road, they're doing some things, and you might step out of the way. Um, if you see one of these, uh, this is a little bit America-centric, I apologize, um, but I, I think we, we know this, is, this is represents our fire services, right, our emergency workers who will come and take care of us in a moment. Um, being very, very American and also raiding my boy's toy cupboard, uh, I have a sheriff's hat <laughs> representing not the police here at all, but uh, not the police really in America either, but, you know, representing authority. That's a sheriff's star. Like, when the sheriff says it, you do it. And I realize that we have authority actually uh, in our church here as well. And I think we all know that, but it, it represents itself in different ways. So what you might not realize right now is that I'm in a Pastor Andy special right now. Uh, nine times out of ten, I've been watching and I've gone back through the YouTubes. It's a long sleeve shirt on preaching Sundays. But uh, he's not alone. He has a uniform. Uh, I think there are others that have a uniform as well. I've watched and <laughs> Pastor Rob is always uh, in the short sleeve special. All right? So... Uh, that's, a, that's another level of authority in our church. And the third level, because uh, I, I wouldn't want to leave anyone out, 
so I had to make sure that I represented all stages of authority that I, I regularly see here at the church. Uh, you have Pastor Dave's uh, a level of authority as well. Uh, now, as I am, I am none of those three gentlemen, I, I just represent the authority God has vested in me, and uh, I'm, I'm more of a jumper that zips. Uh, so I'm going to put that on, and that's where we'll go today, because uh, this is not a slimming shirt otherwise. <laughs> All right, so hopefully we have a, a good backdrop of authority uh, in terms of, of how it looks in our, in our world. But I want to look at the Greek definition of the actual word of authority, because that's what we're talking about, and that's the, the context of this passage. So it's a little Greek word called uh, exousia. Can we all say that together? Exousia. And you can impress all your friends with like, hey, I learned a little Greek today. So exousia is uh, really, it defines authority as being inclusive of those key words we've already mentioned. Jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength. And in this case, the exousia of Jesus himself. So that's what we're going to talk about, the authority of Jesus really as seen in this passage. Now, um, I don't usually do this. I, I like to be very exegetical in my approach. I like to go through and we go verse by verse and we stay with the text because that speaks to us all by itself. However, when we're talking about the authority of Jesus, I think it's important to understand the bookends of Jesus' authority. And so there are two primary verses in the book of Matthew that we see that really make this clear for us. The first is Matthew 17, verse 5, uh, chapter 17, verse 5. And in that passage, this is where the transfiguration takes place, and Jesus has been praying with the disciples, and he comes back, and he's radiant, and they all fall down, and Peter asks his silly question, should we build some little temples for you? And God actually interrupts Peter, and he says, listen to him. The voice of God is speaking to his disciples and is saying, hey, this is the person you should be listening to because this is my son who I love and has my authority. That's one bookend. The other end of, of, the, of the book is in Matthew 28, the very closing passages uh, of the, and verses of the Bible uh, in that first gospel story. And Jesus speaks to his disciples, and he reminds them that all authority has been given unto himself. And so then he tells them to go, therefore, and make disciples and baptize. So if you're coming today and you're not familiar, if it's been a little while, or, or if you're new to church, you want to understand that, that the God of the universe that we believe created us, loves us, and knows us, these bookends of authority for his son who is co-equal with himself and that he has all the authority. That transforms our now. And I want to talk about five different ways we see it transform our now as we look at, at this passage. So the first area is we see the jurisdiction of authority. And I think that that's really important because this jurisdiction, jurisdiction is kind of a, a sphere, an area of control. If this is my jurisdiction, I own the podium. I own this small section of the stage. This is mine to, to decide how I want to do it. And we see this in the story of the centurion because the centurion comes up to him and he says, would you heal my servant? Jesus says, you, you, want, me, you want me to go with you? And the centurion looks at him and, and you can almost imagine the surprise on his face like, no, no, I, I, I know your total authority. I know the jurisdiction and the control that you have and, and I don't need you to go anywhere. This is your jurisdiction, bud. So you say it and it happens. And, and Jesus, I mean, just is kind of blown away by this. What I see there is not just the jurisdiction that the centurion understood, but I also see, and for me, the really amazing thing is the liberty that goes with that jurisdiction of authority. And remember, liberty and jurisdiction, these are two words that are, are core to that definition. Liberty really means freedom. And that centurion had great freedom in that moment. 
I was driving this morning, and uh, one thing you'll learn about me, I, I plan to, when I die, uh, hopefully many years from now, but whenever I die, uh, I'm hoping that the body will come in late to the funeral service. And I want whoever's giving uh, my eulogy to start off with, as in life, so in death, uh, because <laughs> I'm, I'm late literally everywhere I go and everything I do. And this morning, uh, we were once again running a little behind, and my eldest, Thomas, is, oh, Dad, we're, and he's so anxious, and he's so worried. And, and it's because he's worried. Uh, he doesn't have the freedom there. He doesn't understand the authority. See, and, and when you don't have that connection with authority, when you don't understand, oh, Dad's in control, or my boss is in control, or God's in control, when that authority is lacking, we have anxiety. But that centurion doesn't go with any rushed feeling. He's not worried like, ooh, hurry up and do it now. He didn't say, quick, quick, you got to come. There is absolute freedom and liberty in the authority of Jesus. Because he's like, hey, Jesus is going to say it, and that's how it's going to be. Walking with Jesus brings us incredible liberty. Well, that brings us to his power. And, and for me, I think that, that, that the power here that we see is, I mean, very clear, Right? First of all, we see that Jesus says, hey, just what you said then, go, and it will be as you said. How amazing that we can ask Jesus for something and know that we have a God who can be like, just like you said, that's what we're going to do. I think the other thing that you see in that awesome power is I think we do see the love and tenderness of Jesus too, because I love that part in the verse when it says, and Jesus was also amazed. Can you imagine being the person that like you get to heaven and you're like, hey, I amazed Jesus. <laughs> And, and I know how that is, right? Because I got to go to uh, my middle boy, Noah. Uh, he had a performance. He did Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory on Friday, and I went, and I saw him, and he's just standing there like, he's got a little, a, a small part. He, he was a squirrel, um, which I think <laughs> teachers make up those roles, right? Like, all right, we need a mop. You are a mop, right? And so he got the mop role. But he did a great job, and he sang, and he was energetic, and he was so proud because he didn't just do a good job, but he saw his dad there smiling at him. And when he was walking in his father's authority, he got to just see that power and that freedom and that happiness, and he amazed his dad. And the centurion amazed Jesus. What an amazing blessing for us when we walk in that authority. All right. Now, I think that these things need to be bookended then with what we see just 10 verses later. And it's important to understand, Matthew used to be a government guy. Okay. Matthew was, uh, he was involved in the taxation business, uh, which means he had a lot of ledgers and lines and following things, and he was very, very focused, which means when he tells us 10 verses later, this means probably within the same short period of time, because he was all by the book. And we see this amazing experience with the centurion, and just 10 verses later, we see a very different experience with his disciples. Centurion didn't know him, disciples knew him, and completely different experience. And a furious storm comes on. And I like that in, in, in verse, in verse uh, uh, 23 there, it talks about a furious storm, right? So lest we, you know, feel too, too unkindly towards the disciples, it was a furious storm, a terrible storm, an incredible storm. And you've had a storm like that in your life as well. Not just a real world storm, you know, not like the rain and the, and the lightning. We're talking maybe a, a lost job, loss of a loved one, separation or, or brokenness of a relationship, a child in crisis, uh, you know, our health. Those are terrible, furious storms. And it's easy. We always look at the disciples, oh man, I, I would never have, oh wait, last week. Because we do the same things. And in that moment, rather than trusting and depending, the disciples, they, they panic a bit. But Jesus exercises his right. He had the absolute authority and right. And he gets up in the boat and he says, why are you so afraid? 
and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and the waves and the wind were calm. Walking in Jesus' authority means we're walking with a God who loves us so much and has such absolute control. He has such absolute authority that it is perfectly within his right to tell the sun to not set, to tell the waves to stop moving, and tell the wind to be still. And to calm the nerves and the concerns and the worries of his disciples, he speaks into their challenge in their moment, and he says, be calm. Well, that finishes then with the last thing that we see. And, and I think that that's where we see the strength. And we see the disciples wonder at it as well. They say, wow, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And they do. So as we finish today, the only thing that I'd like to, to, to kind of conclude with is just to look at yourself and, and think about where we are in our own evaluation of that. Are we like this interior? Are we like the, the disciples in the boat? And, and I want to be clear, just for all of you, um, just because we stand up here doesn't mean we're, we're any more secure like the centurion. I have a lot of boat moments. But what is, it, what is our life going to be like, and how are we going to live that going forward today? Wonderful, Jason. Thank you. So that's the foundation, right? That Jesus lived with incredible authority, healed people, raised the dead, calmed storms, all of that kind of stuff. But here for me is the challenge. And Jason has already pointed us to this because followers of Jesus, people like you and I, are called to do what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and do the same stuff. Acts chapter 1, Luke says that the gospel was what Jesus began to do going to carry on. So we have, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have delegated authority. The authority that Jesus has been given has been delegated to us. Here is the challenge, because we probably feel a disconnect if you're anything like me and Jason, okay? We know the call. We understand that Jesus has authority and has given it to us, but we don't feel like we walk in that all the time. Anyone else feel like that? Okay. I think we see a glimpse into this in the second of those stories in Matthew chapter 8. The storm on the lake, Jesus is sleeping, the disciples wake him up, and Jesus says to them, you of little faith. And it made me wonder, what response was Jesus hoping to have seen in their lives? Well, one was less fear, because he says to them, why are you so afraid? But I wonder, as I read that text, whether there was something more that Jesus was hoping for. And let me just unpack that. In the first century, Israel had rabbis or teachers. And they would call people, call disciples to come and follow them and to walk with them. And the call was to learn from the rabbi, to think the rabbi's thoughts, to do what the rabbi did, and to actually become like the rabbi. Jesus comes along, and in the gospel text, is often referred to as a rabbi or a teacher. And he comes along and calls disciples to do that exact same thing, to become like him, to do what he did, to think his thoughts, to do what your rabbi did. And so up until this point, what had they seen Jesus do? Well, if you go through a chronology of the Gospels, what they would have seen him do up until this point was turn water into wine, heal loads of people, including several that are um, referenced in Matthew chapter 8, 
there was a miraculous catch of fish. The disciples have been trying to catch stuff. And Jesus comes along to them and said, wrong side of the boat. Nets that side, and they catch loads of fish. And it's kind of like it's one of those jaw-dropping moments. They had seen Jesus raise a dead man from death before this account. So they'd seen Jesus, their rabbi, do all of these things. And remember, they knew, because these are good Jewish boys, they knew that they were called to do the same as their rabbi. And so as I read that verse in Matthew chapter 8, and Jesus says to them, you have little faith, I just wonder whether he was hoping that the disciples might have had a try at speaking to the storm. They might just have had a try to walk in and live out their delegated authority. Over these past few years, I have felt challenged to explore this whole idea of authority and to grow in Jesus' authority in my life. When I determined to kind of go on this journey a few years back, what I decided to do was write down what I experienced as I went through this journey. So let me just share a couple of stories. I remember vividly being in a car park. And we had been driving around for about 10 or 15 minutes, and there was just nothing moving. No spaces, no movement. And I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and just say, Andy, open your mouth and ask for a parking space. And so I thought, well, okay, what have I got to lose? So I opened my mouth and said something like, space be free. Like that, a car just over there, reversing lights came on, came out, drove off. Coincidence? I have no idea. Have I tried it again? Yes. Has it worked every time? No. I don't know. Another time, I was just about to go into a really important kind of gathering as part of this church. And it was a Saturday morning, and I bent down to pick up a piece of paper off of my sofa, and my back went into really bad spasm. And it does that every couple of years. What ends up is that I can't move for about two or three days and takes about a couple of weeks to ease. And I just thought, now is not the moment. And so I was, I was in this journey of exploring delegated authority, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to have a try. So I laid a, back on my, a hand on my own back, and I said, no, not now. And it just eased. Just eased. Praying for healing now. I used to pray kind of prayers which would be, Lord, it would be awfully nice if... But now that I understand delegated authority, that's like going to your commanding officer and asking him to do your job. And so what I do now is I will speak directly to conditions because I'm growing in this understanding that I have been delegated authority and I want to try and do my best at doing what Jesus did. And so I see what Jesus does in the Gospels and I say, you know what, I'm going to have a try going to have a try. So are there ways for us to grow in authority, to walk more in that delegated authority? I believe that there are. I'm going to share three with us, and then we're going to pray together this morning. The first is for us to know who we are and know what we carry. To know who we are and know what we carry. If we've said yes to Jesus, we are now children of God. Our status has eternally changed. We are deeply loved by God the Father. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. 
nothing can now separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is given into our lives so that we would know that we know that we know that we are now children of God, that we have been adopted. Our lives are empowered by the Holy Spirit, His presence in us releasing God's power through us. It seems to me that if we know a bunch of that stuff, then we'll have a try because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens because at the end of the day, we know who we are. And what we know is that God loves us. So whether we come out looking like a hero or we come out falling on our face, who cares? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. So what does it matter? See, it seems to me the more deeply we know who we are and the authority that we carry and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the more we will walk in his authority. Second thing, take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus at his word. Jesus sends disciples out with delegated authority. Now, I'm going to notch up the heat a little bit on that at this point. There is a very challenging verse in the middle of John's gospel. John chapter 14 and verse 12, where Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Anyone feel intensely challenged at this point? Anyone being honest in the room? See, if we're honest, how many of us, when we hear this verse, think that Jesus must have been talking about somebody else? Like the guy sat next to you right now, right? Because he's talking about them, not me, surely. Them. Or maybe Jesus didn't really mean it. He's having a bit of an off day. I want to just humbly and graciously suggest to us this morning that if we think down those kind of lines, then one of the dangers we are in is actually setting our words and thoughts above the words and thoughts of Jesus Christ. And I want to suggest that is not a smart thing to do. And so if we are going down that line in our, in our heads, this is probably a good moment for us to confess. Because I think that if we set ourselves up above Jesus Christ, that is sin. And we just call it what it is. I've been thinking in the wrong kind of ways. And we just take a moment to confess that, and we say to the Lord, I'm sorry. And then the Bible invites us to repent, which literally means just turn around, literally to change our thinking. To say, I've been thinking this way, but that's not a good way of thinking, so I'm going to think this way instead. I'm going to think the way that Jesus thinks. And then we take Jesus at his word. See, I'm quite a simple folk. When I read that, I'm kind of thinking, I'm going to have a crack. I'm going to have a crack. What about you? Because I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to take Jesus at his word. See, it seems to me that authority and faith grow through simple obedience. Choosing to take Jesus at his word, and then thirdly, have a try. Just have a try. Jesus has delegated authority to followers, his disciples, in order for us to use it. Let me just give a quick example that I think highlights the difference between power and authority. If you think of a bank robber that goes into a bank with a shotgun, they have the power to rob the bank. They've got a gun. They don't have the authority to do it, obviously. It's illegal. Don't do that. 
Conversely, think of a police officer. They have the authority to stop a moving vehicle. They can hold up their hand and say, stop. They do not have the power to stop it. The power resides in the brakes of that vehicle. If the driver decides not to apply the brakes, then that hand is not going to stop that vehicle. Do you see there is a difference between power and authority? Authority is nothing if it's not used. Followers of Jesus have been given delegated authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, bring life, bring words of wisdom and knowledge, gifts of miracles, gifts of faith. As we understand authority, I believe that we'll have a try. And having a try means taking a risk. Because whilst we've been given authority, we are completely dependent upon the power of God. None of us can heal the sick. None of us have such a direct line to heaven that our prophetic words are 100% accurate. But I believe that Jesus loves it when we have a try. When we just have a try. And sometimes nothing will happen, but sometimes stuff does happen. And we see healing and freedom released into people's lives. And we'll miss those moments if we don't have a try. But more than that, our broken world needs followers of Jesus who are walking in authority and having a try at doing what Jesus did. Your world around you desperately needs someone like you to have a try. So my encouragement to you this week, would you have a go? Would you have a go? Would you allow yourself to see something in the world around you, an opportunity to do what Jesus did, and at that moment, remember that you have been sent out in his authority to have a try and see what Jesus does. Amen? Amen. Amen.